At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The desert outpost is still. A few select marauders idle up around the bar, and a few traders quietly wait for the next customers to arrive. It is in this spot that the Beskar-clad Mandalorian patiently waits for his next target to arrive. It is then that a stranger wanders in. Dang, I don't see any treasure chests or clay pots in here. This place must be empty as the green-capped hero Link takes in his surroundings. Hold on, stranger, the Mandalorian says as he raises a hand in the air. I got a contract to bring you in. Well, excuse me, stranger, but that contract isn't going to be fulfilled today. We'll see, Mando sneers, and this place is about to go wild. It's Din Djarin versus the 8-Bit All-Star. It's Grogu's Guardian versus Hyrule's Hero. It's the Mandalorian versus Link. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. In today's episode, it's Nintendo versus Star Wars, as Link, the iconic character from seemingly millions of video games, I checked, there's a ton of them, takes on The Mandalorian, quite possibly Star Wars' greatest new invention in the past 20 years. Yeah, 
I said it. Sorry, Ray Skywalker and Kylo Ren. That's how I feel, and I think uh, I'm not alone. Wow. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed, and I would have guessed that no one had talked about this before. I mean, really, that's what everyone would think, and I would have been, yeah, I would have been absolutely dead wrong because this matchup has been discussed, albeit twice. That's it. I found two instances of this battle being talked about on the internet, and it wasn't really looked into, didn't go into depth. It's definitely due for the who would win treatment. So with that being said, Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm always fired up for this. Now, both of these characters have appeared on the show before. The Mandalorian, uh, spoiler alert, got the win in his battle against Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War and what I thought was honestly a very compelling battle. I thought I, I had a good chance in that one, but the Mandalorian's a tough competitor. And Link was part of the uh, Nintendo 8-bit All-Stars battle against the Loop and the Third Gang. And Link, Link is looking for redemption here. Unfortunately, uh, the video game characters were being repped by James Gavsey in that battle. And so therefore, a lot of people, it's not just me saying, a lot of people <laughs> don't feel that Link got proper representation. He got kind of a public defender lawyer in that battle. And so unfortunately, Link got the loss. I'm here today to redeem Link, to redeem Nintendo, to redeem video games as a property on this show. So help us all. Ray Sikanis, I take offense to what you just said, even though it's kind of true. I rep Pac-Man very well. Mm. That's about it. But I repped him really well against the Riddler in a really kind of crazy matchup. And I had to have some uh, knowledge of video games uh, from the 80s for that. Also, I did do some research on Link. This character is kind of insane. A lot of interesting weapons, abilities, magics at play. You know, Ray, this kind of brings me to a question. I'm wondering if, yet again, we need to make some type of addition or addendum, if you will, to the Who Would Win rules because, you know, uh, Ryu versus Electro Ryu had a god mode. Uh, Liu Kang had a god mode against a character who didn't have a god mode. And Link's kind of got some insane power-ups as well, going up against a character that's kind of more rooted, uh, you know, I know it's Star Wars, but more rooted in, I guess, a more realistic universe. Do we need to say, like, hey, no god mode allowed in these contests that we have with video game characters? Oh, yeah, sure, James. The Mandalorian exists in that universe with the flying space wizards. But tell me more about how grounded Star Wars is. Please. No god mode. James, if it wasn't for finding out that a video game character has god mode, I'd have a losing record against you on this show. So, no, I like the rules how they stand right now. So you're saying it's up for debate with the Who Would Win production team. That's fair. All right. Now, look, all of this is intriguing, and, uh, you know, I I really want to see how this plays out. So let's just get to our guest judge, who is amazing, by the way, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the star of the My Three Dads podcast, co-host of the Father Good podcast. It's a writer, producer. It's fan favorite judge. And despite what Ray Cicada says, I say he's one of the most handsome people in Hollywood it's Marshall you. Givens. Marshall, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm still waiting for that award. Should be coming in the mail. Thusly. Appreciate that, James. <laughs> I just don't know why Ray says these kind of things about all of our judges. I'm just, I have to disagree. Ray's, Listen, Ray's, Marshall, Ray's got a lot you know, of reasons why do... he, doesn't, he shouldn't like me. I get it. <laughs> okay. So off to a strong start for Ray. Now, Marshall, you're you're insanely busy like all of our guest judges here. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. Lots of development. There's a couple of animated projects that are in the works and uh, oh, wow. are, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty close to showing some people some stuff. So, you know, I'm just I'm going to leave it at that right now because can't really say too much. 
So, <laughs> but that's what I've been working on. So, you, so you've got a couple of animated projects mm -hmm. that you're not allowed to say anything about. Not too much about. Just know that that uh, that is what I'm working on. And I, NDAs, you know, it's the whole thing. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, NDAs are definitely you know should be uh, respected at all times. But uh, it doesn't mean we can't guess. And if we're correct in our guesses, doesn't mean that you can't give us like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm. No, these are these are these. Let's are just play this brand, game real quick. These are brand new things that I don't think you'd have a possibility of guessing what they could be. <laughs> I'll take a guess. It's uh, the right, Who Would Win team animated. Oh, oh. It's, it's Ray and I animated in Space Adventures. I saw the storyboards. the The spaceship kind of looks like the Mystery Machine. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I'm wait excited for, you to for see that. This. I think that they should do much in the style of 1970s cartoons. The Who Would Win show animated series. So you've got, you know, me and James, Robert Clark Chan, I don't know, Delvin Cox, Crystal Stormer there. And of course, some sort of talking animal because that's what they all did. So some sort of maybe talking alien plant. Dog, I think I think this thing. I, if we have any budding artists out there, I would love to see some concept art of the 1970s nice. uh, uh, inspired. Uh, who would win cartoon? I I place this on you, the people. Don't let me down. It's in the block of uh, cartoons with Mr. T. Yes, and Monchichi. Monchichi, awesome. and then the the it's Mark awesome. and Mindy uh, cartoon. <laughs> yes, or the Fonzie special. And Fonzie have the a cartoon. one where Fonzie uh, <laughs> is Cube. friends with a wizard from space, and they go on time travel adventures yeah. together. Yeah, all of these. <laughs> yeah, uh, knowing us half the podcast is your friend if you want so to. Buttery. Yeah, hey. check yeah. out knowing us half the podcast for uh, reviews of all of these. They are terrible. Uh, leading the way is the uh, Star Trek, the animated series. <laughs> uh, there should just be a podcast of reviews of, of, of movies and TV shows that don't exist. They just don't even exist. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's actually a great idea. Yeah. By the way, we've already copyrated the idea. We've trademarked it, Thank and you. NDA will be coming That's your way. That's how it you works. Can't uh, word about that, business, business sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Now, listen, speaking of not sucking, we have you as a judge. Hey. And we have this, you know, we have a video game character, an iconic video game character in Link, and we have the Mandalorian who's just exploding in popularity mm -hmm. every time he's on screen. But you, you know, you heard, I think, the the, the pre-show talk. Do you agree, like, should a video game character that's had seemingly millions of iterations and insane power-ups, should there be a limit put on what they can do or can't do in case they're fighting someone who's just, like, kind of got the base powers and abilities? What do you think about all that? Well, I don't, you know, I think if a character throughout the course of a series of video games has justified iterations of those powers moving forward, then that's one thing. But if they're just like wildly different from game to game, then I think there should be some consistency and maybe just like pick one of the games. If that's going to, you know, if that's the case, it should just maybe just one of the games. Maybe, I don't know, like the original. I don't know. So, right, we, Link should be used the original iteration back in the did, 80s. Like, I that's, mean, that's like, the only one I know. Got it. That's my Link. I mean, Mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Guy, at Race to Cadence, we all know the version of Link you're using. All right. Now, th this is good because, again, eventually I will be playing video games. I know I said that You've as said a that New Year's resolution. Three and a half years ago, James Gavsey. No one believes you anymore. I did play... Super Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers, right? That's what it is on the Nintendo. Uh, oh, did you play is. the Nintendo uh, with James? My kids. 
<laughs> I, I, what is it? Is it Nintendo Switch? Yeah, I played a Nintendo Switch, and I played it for uh, 30 seconds. That's all I could take. Uh, but I did play it, and that represents a more uh, video game play than I've had in the past uh, five years combined. So I feel I'm more prepared than ever, Racy Canis. Watch out. Uh, all right. So we've got we got Marshall Givens. We have Racy Canis. We've got Link. we got The Mandalorian. We have everything needed to have another classic. Who would win matchup? With all of that said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Nintendo. The hero who's a great hero and friend. Just don't let him anywhere near your pottery. Link. And representing Star Wars, the hero who shockingly has never time-traveled since we've seen a manned DeLorean get over 88 miles per hour several times, the Mandalorian. Can't believe you brought Back to the Future into this like that. I can't believe you're shocked. All right. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, More air quotes. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match, which are brought to you by Indeed.com, one of our great sponsors, and by the Geek and Game Facebook community, the best place, in my opinion, for all things to do with geek culture. Here are the rules. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I have a funny feeling you'll be using the version of Link from the Super Mario Brothers cartoon in the late 80s starring uh, Captain Lou Albano. I could be wrong. What version are you going with today? Video games, James. You wish I was using the cartoon version. (laughs) Do you think that casting was perfect? Captain Lou Albano as... uh, as Mario, I'm angry. Anybody else? I'm angry. Anybody other than Captain Lou Albano is going to play the role. Quite frankly, born to be Mario. <laughs> do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Do 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 the Mario. This guy's a genius and brilliant. I'm I'm saying too much. Yeah. Can't believe we're on the same page with this. I just wish he had more rubber bands as Mario. All right, uh, I will be using. The only version, the version of The Mandalorian that you can see currently on Disney Plus and in, I think, two to three episodes of The Book of Boba Fett, which is great. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch, not right now, but immediately after the show uh, and after you join our Patreon. Just saying, that would be the best time to get it. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. 
Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us details for Link. Link, not Zelda, is the main protagonist of the Legend of Zelda series of video games. He was created by Shigeru Miyamoto and first appeared in the Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo Entertainment System back in 1986. I remember it well. The Legend of Zelda tells the story of Link, the young adventuring hero who's on a mission to collect the Triforce and save the Princess Zelda from the evil Ganon. Or Ganondorf, or, you know, it changes sometimes. He explores dungeons, fights monsters, and solves puzzles with his very famous weapon, the Master Sword. Fun fact, The Legend of Zelda is an iconic title, which has caused much confusion among casual gamers who often mistakenly believe that the hero's name is actually Zelda, and not Link, leading to some wonderful memes online. However, did you know that in Japan the title of the game is not The Legend of Zelda? No, the game in Japan is known as The Hyrule Fantasy. While this does do a better job of explaining what the game is all about, it definitely doesn't have the same gravitas of The Legend of Zelda as far as names go. So it's probably best for everyone involved that they use the more evocative title in the United States. I mean, imagine that, though. Imagine if the Super Mario games weren't called Super Mario Brothers. They were called, you know, Princess Peach's Adventure. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe it doesn't work for everything is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, that is Link. That's actually pretty cool. All right. Now, here are the details for The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian first appeared in November of 2019 on Disney Plus and was created by Jon Favreau. Set in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian series takes place five years after the events of Return of the Jedi and 25 years prior to the events of The Force Awakens. No more needs to say be said about those years. All right. The Mandalorian, whose real name is Din Djarin, is a lone gunfighter and member of the Bounty Hunter Guild who is sometimes referred to as Mando, a generic term used to refer to all Mandalorians. The Mandalorian himself is a bounty hunter who was active during the early years of the New Republic era, 
Orphaned as a child when his parents were killed by Separatist battle droids, he was taken in and raised by the Mandalorians as a foundling, eventually becoming a member of a reclusive sect of Mandalorians known as the Tribe. Due to his childhood trauma, the Mandalorian developed a notable hatred for droids. Since then, the Mandalorian has found himself as protector of Grogu, the current holder of the Darksaber, and now interacting with Jedi while saving planets from would-be tyrants. And here's an interesting fact about the Mandalorian. Did you know that there was evidently a lot of character confusion for the actors when they signed up for their roles? It's true. With a new and unknown world to explore, even the actors were confused as to who they would be playing at first. When Pedro Pascal had his first sit-down with Jon Favreau, he came out of the meeting thinking he was going to be playing Boba Fett instead of the Mandalorian. Oh. And to make things even more interesting, a similar instance happened with Gina Carano, who plays the former, or at least played, the former shock trooper turned mercenary Cara Dune. She originally thought she would be playing a female Wookiee. And was surprised to have her face actually appear in the series. Huh. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Marshall, do you have any questions before we get started? No, no questions at all. No questions you at know, all. You know, James, let me Can't add something right here. If Marshall doesn't have any questions, which it doesn't sound like he does, you know what else is set in the Star Wars universe? Legacy, a Star Wars audio drama podcast from our own Crystal Storm, who wrote, produced, directed it. And also, I don't know, I play the Emperor, Emperor Palpatine in it, in episodes that already exist. And we'll be playing another character uh, who I will not spoil, but I, that will be in episodes upcoming very, very soon. Legacy, get it where you get your podcasts. I've done my contractual obligation for that now. That was good. Excellent podcast from one of our best judges of all time, Crystal Storm. Absolutely. Go check it out. Download it. Listen to it. Binge it. It's awesome. It's time to get this party started. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Link. And I just want to start by talking about how immensely skilled Link is because we know the story of Legend of Zelda. Look, it's a game that's existed, what, 19, 20 times at this point in various iterations. But it's been theorized that all the Links are the soul of Link stays the same regardless of the different worlds they put it in. And there are actually timelines that Link Haha, <laughs> all of the games together in one timeline. Look, I'm not trying to say he's a Unicron, but he might just be a Unicron who just gets reimagined in these different bodies, but it's the same character every single time. He's a young adventurer who goes off on a mystical journey to beat Ganon or do whatever he needs to do in the moment, and he acquires the skills and everything along the way. He's an amazing character. Let's talk about some of the things he's done. Now, he can break stones with just his sword. And we're not talking about little stones. We're talking about giant 10-foot boulders. He can walk up to his sword, take one hack down, and then the, it's just evaporated. The entire stone is gone. We've seen him use his sword to one-shot cut down bushes and entire trees in the video games. Just one shot, boom, tree's gone. Do you know how strong? Do you know how skilled with a sword you have to be to cut down? down a mighty oak tree with one shot you gotta be link level that's what i'm talking about we've seen characters called the lava hands now these are hands that popped out of the ground made of pure lava they were attacking link in one of the games he destroyed them with two shots of his sword if you can defeat magical hands made of pure lava with your sword what is going to stop you from taking down the mandalorian of all characters we've seen him shove gigantic bookcases with relative ease to open secret passages we've seen him walk around lift bold 
shoulders the size of himself, if not larger, above his head, throw them and have them just absolutely shatter. Again, the strength and force necessary to do that is more than the Mandalorian is clearly going to be ready for. We've seen some of the monsters that Mando has fought. They weren't that strong. Link is that strong, so he's going to overpower him with a strength that Mando's not going to see coming. We've seen Link in combat jump a full 30 feet in the air, come down with the sword on the top of the character or monster's head that he's coming after. It's a move he does all the time in boss battles. So you talk, I'm sure you're going to talk about Mandalorian's ability to fly. Well, if Link can jump 30 feet up in the air, he's going to be able to counter a lot of the aerial stuff that Mandalorian can do. We've seen him fall large distances without issue. One of my favorite durability feats is that we've seen him attack explosive pillars. There were several in the room. He attacked the explosive pillar, blew out the entire room. The entire infrastructure of the room was gone, not a hair harmed on Link's head. So he can survive massive explosion damage. Uh, he once dodged an attempt at possession. I don't even know how that works, but he did it physically. Another thing he does in combat, you've seen the game Dark Souls and now Elden Ring, where you're able to roll, you, you roll around the combat facility, and as you're rolling, you cannot be hurt, you're invulnerable. Well, Link does the Dark Souls rolls in combat as well and cannot be hurt while he's doing it. Heck, we've seen him at one point run at the speed of an arrow that got fired out of a wall through like a crossbow style trap. Arrows move pretty fast. In the game, Link was able to outpace and run in front of the arrow before it could hit him. So he clearly has super speed on top of everything else. And the other thing to keep in mind is he's been skilled even as a youth. Link beat adults in combat when he was a mere four years old. Marshall Givens, you have four-year-olds at home and have had four-year-olds at home. Could you imagine just taking them to a combat place and having them roll all the adults in the dojo? Well, Link did it at the age of four. So he's been doing this his entire life. He's incredibly skilled, incredibly strong, incredibly durable, and he's just too much for the Mandalorian to handle. That's my point number one. Ray, I'm not sure where you've been living. Is it under a rock? Is it in... I don't know, Woodland Hills. I have no idea, but you need to get out of those places and come into the real world. A lot of what you're talking about right now, you're, you've got a great way of ma of exaggerating and and building up these facts, which really aren't that big of a deal. Let me kind of break these down. What? The first one, you say Link is really skilled. You say Link is really skilled. He's 17, if I'm not mistaken, or he's a young, young man. And look, you could be training your whole life, even at 17. You're only going to get to a certain point, especially compared to the Mandalorian, who is a walking skill set at all times. Let's see. Link can break stones and other really cool objects, trees. But, you know, it's funny what Bruce Lee said about boards. All of these objects don't hit back. Great. <laughs> I've got a sword. I'm chopping down a tree. Bravo. By the way, you know who else could do that? Go to Japan. Go to Germany where people are using broadswords. They cut down trees with swords. Not saying that's not impressive. Very cool. Let's see. The Mandalorian isn't as strong as like, here's the deal. He's taken on multiple creatures called Trandoshans, which is like Bosk, one of those bounty hunters from Star Wars. And Trandoshans are actually as powerful as Wookiees. He's taken on like four or five at a time. Pretty sure he's not going to have a problem with Link's strength, as impressive as it is. And finally... Four-year-olds beating up grown men? <laughs> My four-year-olds beat up grown men all the time. It's what you do. That's just what happens when you train with MMA at a young age. None of that's super impressive. All right, now, James, listen, real quick before you get started, one. I do want to say one thing. You talk about 17 not being you know enough life experience, but that clearly shows you haven't watched enough anime or played enough video games of this <laughs> era because 17-year-olds in those two properties uh, have got PhDs. They've been in the service for 10 years at that point. They have an incredibly 
unfulfilled backstory, even at a young age. That's just how that medium works. Oh, it's not that they don't have a lot of skill for their age. I'm just saying compared to the Mandalorian, they don't have that same anywhere near that kind of skill. Just ask yourself how many other 17-year-olds are kind of kicking around in the Mandalorian TV series and what have you. Yeah, not a whole lot. They get killed real quick, which is unfortunate, by the way. All right. My point number one, let's talk about the Mandalorian's standard armament. So the Mandalorian has certain equipment that he has on him. Again, I've already mentioned this before when I repped the Mandalorian the first time, but I got to kind of go over this again because he's got stuff on him throughout the series, or at least most of it, that he always, always has. It's always ready to be deployed, always ready to be fired. So let's start with this helmet. It has a built up, uh, built-in up, built heads-up display with scanners, telescoping optics, and more sensors even built into it. This is a great thing to have because he is a master of stealth. So if he has to hide from Link in you know plain sight or behind something, he's got ways to see and monitor Link from afar that Link won't have in the same way to monitor the Mandalorian. Advantage for the Man- Mando right away. He's got the whistling birds in his forearm, which are like that those series of mini smart missiles shot in clusters that can hit targets in any direction and multiple times. Really cool. He's got that jetpack. It is super fast. It can maintain sustained flight for quite some time. It offers a short bursts of lift in order to gain a tactical advantage during combat. That's what's used specifically for it's got a maximum vertical height of 70 meters it says but can actually go manos can actually go way way higher because it can keep up with tie fighters for short distances that is crazy if your backpack can keep up with the empire's you know you know main battle attack ship you know you've got a very fast uh, jetpack let's see uh he's got a top loaded ro- rocket that he can has in it that he can shoot out you know thanks to the scanners and helmet he's super precise with it and this rocket can take out a huge area and can also take out you know other ships as well this is a lot of damage it's going to be doing and again he's using precision t- uh, targeting because of all the scanners in his helmet all right the Mandalorian gauntlets have a grappling line that he's caught very powerful opponents in. He's got flamethrowers that melt Imperial armor. Not that that's too impressive, because if you look at Imperial armor for a while, it melts anyway. But he can melt it really quick. He's got laser blasters in his gauntlets. His armor also has sonic repulsors that can hurt Link. And he's listening to it. He's got shield emitters and paralyzing darts. That means he's even more durable. And he's got ways to take out people as long as the dart can hit the person's skin. He's got a vibroblade, which is like a dagger that vibrates really, really fast. Can actually, you know, uh, take on a lightsaber for a short time. And this is something that's insanely good at cutting through almost anything. And he's a master of using it. His best weapon, however, it's his modified, it's called an Ambin rifle, which is a sniper rifle with a disintegration rate that can vaporize targets at a far range or close up, as in the vaporizer literally makes the molecules of something or someone he hits with it come completely apart. The vaporizer is so dangerous, by the way, it was banned by both the Rebellion and the Empire. Look, when your weapon is banned by the Empire for being too dangerous, you know you got something good. The rifle also has a sonic detector that allows men to listen to distant conversations. You can hear footsteps, all that kind of good stuff. It also works as a melee weapon, and the fort front can shock enemies into unconsciousness because of the electric charge or just deliver good old-fashioned blunt force trauma. And if all of that wasn't good enough, he also carries a modified heavy blaster that's so powerful, it takes out most enemies with one shot and can even hurt these giant creatures that exist everywhere, seemingly, in Star Wars. All of this just makes the Mandalorian insanely powerful and well-armed 100% of the time, and he's a master of using all of it all at the same time. That's my point number one. 
Okay, there's a lot of things we got to bust right here. You're going to bring up all these different blasters and shooty weapons, and he's a master of using all of them all the time. <laughs> when in the show Mandalorian did he rock like seven weapons in one fight? That's just not what he does. You know, and, and laser weapons, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but he primarily uses these laser weapons, and I'm going to tell you right now, against a lot of opponents, those are spectacular. Against Link specifically, that is a weakness that Mandalorian is not going to get a chance to come back from when he tries to open fire with these laser weapons, we'll get into it in my point number two. I, that's just what we in the business call a teaser. And the other thing is agility-wise. Now, I've seen Mandalorian fight in these battles. He's really relying on that armor to tank a lot of shots for him. You know, He will hide behind objects. He will sort of get out there. But at the end of the day, he knows that these laser shots that are coming at him probably aren't going to be able to penetrate his Beskar armor. And I'm sure you're going to talk a lot more about the Beskar, and I don't want to steal any of that thunder there. But I'll say right now, if it comes down to a battle of who's going to get the hits in, Link is so much more agile. Link can jump 30 feet in the air. Link can run faster than arrows can shoot. And at the end of the day, the Mandalorian just isn't that agile. Link's going to get the shots in, and I'm going to count on that. Interesting counterpoint, Ray Sicanis. Okay, Marshall, you've heard points number one for both Ray and I. Where is your head at so far with this battle? I'm a fan of Mandalorian, the TV show, so those points very well taken. Uh, I have played The Legend of Zelda. Like, I had the gold, shiny gold cartridge. I was blowing in it when I was a kid, so I remember. Right now, it's the edge has got to go to Link because there's just a lot of. There's a lot of stuff happening with Link that, that Ray's brought up. A lot of good points about weaponry and things like that. That I remember, oh yeah, that's right. I did hit the button once and break a rock. Hmm, okay. So, I, I and I've seen the Mandalorian be injured. So, I, right now, uh, uh, I'm leaning toward the Link. <laughs> the Link. I'm old too. I'm leaning toward the Link. <laughs> the Link. <laughs> you know who, you know who that, that I wanted... Boy? That Link boy there, that's who. He's nice. You know, I've always wanted to know more about the missing Link from pro wrestling. All right, so Link's got the slight <laughs> advantage. That should, I'm confident that'll change very shortly. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Link. We're going to talk about his equipment because his equipment is outrageous. You know, James, you brought up some really good points with some of those lasers and whatever, but Link just goes circles around Mandalorian when it comes to stuff that he can bring to the table. First off, let's remember Link's bow. Link's bow, where you shoot the arrows, right? He's been known to split targets in two with those arrows. He's been known to shoot three arrows at once, which, I don't know, last episode seemed like it was a pretty big deal. He could use magical arrows in his bow as well and use the powers of fire, ice. He could strap bombs to them. He could strap light to it. I don't even know how that works, but light damage. And something called ancient arrows, which he has used to literally implode enemies. You talked about your vaporizer. I counter you, good sir, with the implosion enemies' ancient arrows, which hit people and cause them to sort of melt away into themselves and effectively vaporize as well. He's also used his boomerang. And if you remember the boomerang from the games, he throws it if it hits you, it stuns you for a few seconds, but also it goes through you, comes back again. If he misses the first one, you're not looking for it. It's going to hit you from behind and it's going to stun you right there. Also, Link in the games can alter the path of the boomerangs as he's thinking about it. So you can throw it and like a homing device or a drone can have it go through you in a different way. He's got something called the hook shot, much like the Mandalorian has. This is a scorpion from Mortal Kombat type chain. He can shoot it out. 
impale someone with it, and pull them or pull himself towards them at any point he wants to. Let's talk about his net. He uses a net to reflect attacks. Now, this is where the lasers are going to be a huge amount of trouble for the Mandalorian and not to his advantage because Link has no less than, I think, five or six items in his standard inventory which reflect those type of attacks back on the person who shot. The net, believe it or not, is one of those items. We've seen him do it with this butterfly. It's a butterfly net. So don't think of it like a net, like a, a, a rope. It's one with a stick on it, and he can slap fireballs, slap laser weapons, slap any kind of those things back at the person who shot it at him. He uses bombs. We all know about the Zelda bombs. These can blow giant uh, cave walls open so to reveal hidden areas. Well, of course he's going to rock around with bombs. Mandalorian trusts his armor, but I've seen Mandalorian around bombs. He doesn't tend to trust to Mandalorian armor enough to tank bombs. He's got Hylian shield, which is an indestructible shield, much like Captain America's shield, and it blocks the momentum of something that's coming at him. So if the Mandalorian tries to do some sort of crashing down attack, if, if Link just holds up the Hylian shield... Well, he's just going to block Mando's momentum right there, and that's going to hurt Mandalorian because I know a lot about that armor. He also has the mirrored shield. Hey, it's another item that reflects energy weapons, that reflects energy attacks. Come at me with lasers. I got the mirror shield. He's also got magical armor, of course, that reduces the attacks around him. And most importantly, he's got something called the Master Sword. Now, first off, the Master Sword has been used to, once again, reflect attacks that are coming back in on him. One time, the Master Sword was struck by lightning, or Link was holding the Master Sword well. The Master Sword absorbed the energy. He can use it as a spin attack, so he has a whole variety of different ways, kind of avant-garde techniques that he can use that wipe out enemies right and left. He can do a jump strike with a powered-up sword and one-shot a heck of a lot of bosses. And when, you know, he wants to, when he's at full health, he has an energy beam shot with it. So it's not even like he needs to get in close with the Master Sword in order to do damage. And that energy beam hits you, goes through you, and it hurts you. And the last thing here is he has an attack called the Mortal Draw, where he keeps the Master Sword in his sheath until the person he's fighting gets very, very close to him. And then he does that traditional kind of what, samurai move, where he pulls it out real fast and does the hit. That always is a one-shot fatality when he does the mortal draw. So he's got the techniques, he's got the skills, and he's got the equipment. Link is just too much for the Mandalorian. Sorry to say, but that's my point number two. All right, so here's the really interesting part, Ray. I think he did a great job of listing a lot of what Link has used throughout you know Link's history in gaming. However, doing my research on Link, I found that not all games are connected. So some one game, like game A, may have a shield and a bow and arrow and what have you. Game B may have something slightly different. So I'm going to have to go to our judge. Marshall Givens, I'm putting you on the spot. Are we saying that Link has access to every weapon he's had throughout all of his video games, even though that's not something that exists within video games themselves, or is there a specific list of equipment that Ray has to call upon because there's, that's the version they're using? Real quick before you answer that, Marshall, let me just, just <laughs> let you know that, uh -huh. one, the items that I just listed are pretty common to Legend of Zelda games. When, when doesn't he have a boomerang, a net, arrows, the master sword, the, the shields? Like, he has all those things all the time. And remember, Link is, never has to deal with being uh, encumbered. Link carries all his stuff at any given point. That's core to the character. Sorry, go ahead. So From like one Hermione, game to the next is what I'm like wondering. Hermione Granger in that way, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. See, you it's uh, you guys. Oh, okay. So I 
think that in terms of his weaponry, it should probably be just limited to the weapons that he would have common to all of the games. So the sword, yep, the shield, like I get that. Like those magic potions and stuff, like, yeah, I mean, he usually has some kind of potions from game one. Uh, you know, boomerang, like all of that standard stuff that is the same pretty much throughout every game, I think it should be the weaponry of choice unless you want to specifically choose one game's version of Link and then I would say then all of those weapons are available. Understood. I think that is a masterful uh, decision from our esteemed judge. Okay, so this makes a lot more sense and I needed to narrow this down a little bit because Link, amongst many other things, has an absolutely amazing arsenal especially if you take everything he's got from every game he's ever been in, this is someone who's very, very dangerous, very powerful. But now that you've kind of learned it, this gives me a better fighting chance. All right, let me get to my point number two. There's three aspects of, about the Mandalorian that you really got to go into detail for this battle with. Now, the first one is his training. So this is something about the Mandalorian culture. You know, if you watch the the, the Clone Wars, that amazing CGI series that came out in you know, the mid-2000s, whatever, they went into some heavy detail about the world Mandalore and, you know, how everyone was a, a, a mega combatant and how regardless of what tribe you were in, you were from a young age kind of put into this aspect of their training. This is something the Mandalorian has been part of since he was a little kid when he was rescued by them. So he's not only wanting to, you know, being forced into this training, he wants the training, he wants to perform. He prides himself on being this combatant, someone who can do, you know, what needs to be done, living by this code of battle. We've seen that. That's why this is the way. This is something that's not going to, uh, you know, make him uh, inferior whatsoever against Link, who's a great combatant, but doesn't have the same training, doesn't have the same code, doesn't have the same upbringing that the Mandalorian does. Now, of course, my next point is the Beskar armor. You know I got to talk about that. So the Mandalorian's culture emphasizes combatants. I already talked about that. But it really celebrates Beskar armor. It's one of the greatest things, you know, that they could ever have. And in the Star Wars universe, Beskar is considered to be one of the strongest and most durable metals around. I guess it's kind of like their version of adamantium, I believe. Uh, it can easily take heavy blaster fire. It's not a problem without being damaged. It can take super hard impacts without denting. What else? Uh, a lightsaber can't cut through it. We've seen that many, many times. So as a result, the Mandalorian instead of armor made of Beskar protects him from heavy gunfire explosions, blunt force trauma, anything you can throw at it. He's got a massive layer of protection. Look, it protects his, you know, him pretty well he still gets banged up and thrown around on the inside of that armor so it's not like it's a it's a it's a perfect shield but it does protect him from a lot of stuff and remember this is a very very durable strong person who can take a ton of punishment and keep on fighting now on top of the beskar armor the Mandalorian also has, right now, the Darksaber. And the Darksaber, for those who don't know, was an ancient, unique, black-bladed lightsaber created by a character named Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian ever inducted into the Jedi Order. So just like a typical lightsaber, the Darksaber can cut through virtually anything and can be as hot as 45,032 degrees Fahrenheit, which means it can absolutely damage, break, and cut through enchanted weapons. How do I know this? Because one of the great things about Link, you know, when researching all this, his weapons are based off being able to take trauma and what have you. They're magically enhanced, but they're magically enhanced to take trauma. It's not like they're just magically invulnerable. And something like a lightsaber that can hit 45,000 degrees Fahrenheit is absolutely going to damage all that kind of good stuff. Now, 
Now, another important part about this is that Link's world weapons can absolutely be broken, right? In his world, you can break a weapon and the weapon can be permanently broken or it can be repaired. But if it's going to be repaired, it takes time. And the Mandalorian has all that he needs to actually understand what Link is using and shoot what he has, the, the vaporizer, the darksaber, whatever he's going to do to take out Link's weapons. This is something he's really good at doing because he uses strategy. Look, the bottom line is the Mandalorian is an opportunist. So what does that mean? That means he's going to be taking a ton of punishment if he has to just to position himself to get in close for a strike or a series of strikes. We've seen that so many times with the Mandalorian in the series, which by the way I love seeing, where he puts himself in the mouth of what is it, the crate Dragon to implant a bomb, where he has to take on that large, right, you know, hairy rhinoceros kind of thing that's coming at him. Whatever it is, or he's taking on those people in that prison ship, and he's got to get close to them to position them, whatever. He's a great tactician, but he's an opportunist. And what he does is he faints weakness. He faints like he's going down. Maybe he's actually getting beaten for real. And then all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, he's in the perfect spot to pull off the win because that's what he had in mind the whole time. All that together is my point number two. I mean, there's plenty of good stuff right there. Look, you, you keep talking you keep talking about the equipment. I think it's very strange or an interesting approach that James first point on Mandalorian was all the equipment that he has. And the second point is very much all the equipment that he has. Look, at some point, Mandalorian has to do something to win this battle, doesn't he? I don't think he just shows up with a variety of items and then Link just walks away unless he walks away safely and wins the battle, I suppose. The Beskar armor is pretty fantastic. I would point out uh, super heat. I mean, it does melt at a certain point. Like a lightsaber eventually will melt it. And we've seen it in that, uh, in what, that furnace uh, melt down so it can be remolded. You can't turn it into armor if you can't melt it, which means that some very, very powerful attacks can absolutely hurt that Beskar armor. And also the Mandalorian, much like many other uh, uh, Mandalorians out there, it doesn't cover every single square inch of his entire body. There are always cracks in it between the pieces. And wouldn't you know it, that's a perfect way for something like a very fast person wielding a master sword to drive it in and take him out. Not to mention that physical damage in the Beskar armor shakes up and, and really fries the person inside the armor. I'll bring up again, but at the end of one of the seasons of The Mandalorian, he gets a whole lot of concussive damage from just getting beat on, and he needs to take a timeout, a break, because he would have lost if that was a who would win battle. Because while the armor won't dent, the person inside will. You know, out of everything I can push back on, I can't push back on that one fact. You're absolutely right. When he, when the Mandalorian is in the armor, the armor is pretty much okay, but he is getting bashed around a little bit. He is taking damage that way. I will absolutely give you that point, Race to Canis. Now, we are at the turning point. But before we get to what Marshall has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we are going to honor Lord Snurts, one of our favorite patrons. Not that there's any we don't love, but Lord Snurts is our patron of the week. All right. Well, Lord Snurts is a very special individual. And uh, as such, we're giving him a very special opponent. How would Lord Snurts do against Skeletor? against Skeletor. Well, here's the deal. Skeletor, especially in the new Masters of the Universe Revelation cartoon, the Kevin Smith jam, uh, Skeletor's a rough, rough monster. You know, he he hides. Even when you kill him, he hides inside the staff. As long as there is magic, there is Skeletor. But that's where Lord Snurts gets the victory because everybody knows what is Lord Snurts' main power, the ability to shunt magic 
around him. Magical items do not work around Lord Snurts. Magical spells do not work around Lord Snurts. He is a magical void everywhere he goes. And you could ask him, hey, Lord Snurts, have you ever seen a magic spell in front of you? The answer is no. Magical items, do they work in front of you? The answer is no. And that is because he is a personal magic void. Skeletor is going to think he's got all this power. He's going to step to Lord Snurts. He's going to get biffed right in his snoot, right in his skeletal snoot. And he's going to get one shot cold cocked down to the mat because his magic will not work around Lord Snurts. It's unfortunately just another bad matchup for Skeletor. You had me at magical shunting. Yep. I mean, if, if I had to describe Lord Snurts, he's a magical shunter. That's what he does. That's Sounds absolutely correct. Excellent win. Congratulations, Lord Snurts. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, Marshall, you've had a moment to ponder the turning point. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? You know, I... I, I think right now Link is still ahead, but mainly because I've heard of both what the Mandalorian can do and how he can be hurt. I need to know more about Link's damage taking because, I mean, he obviously he has to be able to die in the video game. Otherwise, you'd play the video game forever. I want to know, like, what does that actually entail? How does that work? If all of his weapons are that good, how does he uh, how would he ever take damage? Got to have. Got it. You need tactics. You need an understanding of how yeah. the mission's going to be accomplished, taking down like, okay, yeah. that is fair. I may have something about that. My point number three. We'll uh -oh. see. We'll uh -oh. see about that. Yeah, you never know. All right, Ray Sicanus. This is your last shot. You're ahead. Let's see if you can keep that lead. Hit us with your point number three. Let's bring it home for Link. We're going to talk about Link's point number three is putting everything together and his is extra stuff. Let's the master sword. I brought it up in this point number two, but I didn't talk about some of the really crazy things he's done with the master sword. At one point, there was a barrier of darkness that was surrounding an entire castle. You know, one of these dark energy fields, you know, like, uh, like that dark saber that the Mandalorian allegedly carries sometimes. Well, Link walked right up to it with the master sword, hit it once, and he shattered the entire barrier of darkness that was surrounding that castle that was magically based. So this science-based dark saber, if he hits it with the master sword, I see no reason why the dark energy wouldn't also shatter in this particular case. Kind of an amazing thing that he did. Now, a few of the other items that he's carried in his various games, some of these have appeared in many of the games, and so I at least want to talk about it because if one of the Marshall Givens strikes your fancy, that's probably the version of Link that I want to be using today. <laughs> so let's talk about it. He's got an invisible cape, a cape that he's been able to hold up, making himself invisible, much like the, uh, what, the Harry Potter cape that kind of does the same thing, the blanket. He can go totally invisible, and then the Mandalorian won't be able to find him. He's also, you know, by the way, got magical powers. We've seen Link use magic in his games for fire. That's a good way to roast somebody inside of, you know, Beskar armor, for example. Uh, thunder. Uh, and he's got lots of invulnerability magic as well that can make him go invulnerable, immune to all damage for certain periods of time. Some of the other items, he's carried the four sword before, which he could use to create four different versions of Link who will all work together simultaneously to defeat their opponent. Now, sure, the Mandalorian one-on-one -on -one can be a target, but four on one, Link's going to completely put that down. 
At one point, and this is to refresh something I said earlier, the laser beams. At one point, Link deflected laser fire with the lid of a pot. It was just an ordinary pot. He just grabbed it off the ground, held up the lid, and their laser fire reflected back at the person who was shooting it. It seems like he could do this with any common household item he finds around him, and that's going to be super handy in this particular battle today. And one other item that he seems to have in all his games is the fairy in a jar. The fairy in a jar, you know, he grabs them, puts them in the jar, and they uh, heal him all the way back up to full health. In fact, they'll even regenerate him if he has one in his inventory. If he falls in battle, he'll be regenerated by the fairy in a jar. He's done it plenty of times. Now, we're talking about items. The Ocarina of Time, well, that sort of stands out to me. He can slow time for everyone else except for himself and move at what would appear to be super speed. He can use it to create storms. He can use it to teleport, maybe take Mandalorian off the battlefield and get rid of him. But he could also use it to reverse time. What happens when Link finds himself pinned down in a situation? He could pull out the Ocarina of Time, play a little tune, go back in time, and then not make that mistake again. Pretty dangerous against this kind of a character who is a little bit more allegedly reality-based. He's also got Majora's Mask. Now, a crazy thing that I learned here is that in the video game Majora's Mask, he has the mask and the Ocarina of Time in both of those in the same game. So maybe that's the version I think I'd like to go with today. Majora's Mask, of course, grants a, a dark, kind of dark powers, some evil powers, but it, it grants what it grants you essentially powers to 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 warp uh, space and time. It, it pumps up your level to huge epic proportions. And I did find a game through my quick research that had both of those items in it. So a guy who can you know use dark forces to malevolently destroy somebody if they're if they need to go down enough. And I think Mandalorian with Link's life on the line does meet that criteria. But also an ocarina. Time that can reverse time, uh, fast forward time, do whatever you want to do with it. The Mandalorian's not ready to beat a time traveler. I established that in the hype section of this battle. So, all of that combined together with the magic, the fairy in a jar, which regenerates him. Uh, I'm sorry, Mandalorian, you just outclassed today, and that's my point number three. So, Ray, you're using like the ultimate version of Link. I'm using a best, version of you know, Link. If you want to call it the ultimate version, <laughs> and you can concede the match right now, James, that's fine. <laughs> I will never concede anything, although I will say again in the uh, beginning point of uh, that our patrons will see, you do look sexy with a mask on. I will give you that. You're much better. Okay. With that being said, there's the only thing I got to push back on. The lightsaber isn't really something that can shatter. Again, if you're wondering how much of a nerd I am, I'm about to reveal it, reveal it to you. Evidently, a lightsaber is a is a plasma-based weapon. You know, that's where the heat comes from. That is put into some type of coil that the coil, you know, can is easily pass through. But all it does is it contains the heat energy of the of the plasma and what have you. So you're not actually going to break anything solid. You can break the handle, you can break the hilt, you can break the the crystals, but you're not breaking the actual lightsaber saber part itself. It just doesn't work that way, despite James, whatever magic you think you're doing. Magic, James, magic. Here's the deal. Link has shown something kind of interesting or lack of something. He hasn't shown a lot of defense to mental attacks, has he? And that's an interesting thing because when you have a character like Link, it's not so much, 
hey, what can he do? It's what hasn't he done so far? So let me get to my point number three. I'm gonna make this all really, really clear. Let me talk about the skills of the Mandalorian, Link's biggest weakness, and big wins for the Mandalorian, how this battle is really just gonna go. So Mandalorian, he's a master improviser. I've mentioned this before. If he has to change his plan from moment to moment, he can do that, and he can do that very well. He's a master combatant. We've seen him fight up close at mid-range, far ranges. He's a great melee melee fader. He's super uh, accurate with a blaster. He's an amazing sniper. This guy can really just do it all. He's also a master at using his environment around him to get cover, create situations where he uses stealth to go undetected, and create attacks where parts of the environment, like say a rock face, can collapse on his opponent. Plus, the Mandalorian, this is my favorite part, He's a good person. He's got a cool code, but he is insanely vicious in a really violent way. He has no problem crippling an opponent, amputating appendages, or wrecking whomever he's facing in any way, shape, or form as if he's, you know, whatever's needed for the situation, he's doing it. And what's great about Link, he's got different weapons, what have you, but he's got to kind of ramp up before the viciousness comes out. The Mandalorian's starting there at vicious, crazy, ready to go, take out his, apart, his opponent. Link kind of builds up to it. Now, back in the day, I used to corner fighters all the time. And I'd have to look at fight footage of their opponents, you know, of my fighter's opponents, to kind of come up with a good game plan to kind of see where the deficiencies were and all that kind of good stuff. And I had to do the same thing with Link, which was not easy. It took some time. But I think Link has a couple of weaknesses that we can take advantage of here. So, number one, unlike the Mandalorian who wears Beskar armor 24-7, Link is very unprotected head-to-toe, at least the vast majority of the time. Sure, he's got a force field here and there and some cool magic, but that doesn't last long, if I'm not mistaken. So, even if you catch the Mandalorian by surprise, he's still somewhat covered and protected. Do that to Link, and the vast majority of the time, he's getting hurt badly. By the way, that kind of stuff is something that the Mandalorian loves to do, is catch people by surprise at different angles to their body and all that kind of good stuff. And unlike the Mandalorian, Link typically goes, this is cool, for center mass. The vast majority of the time, he hits you with arrows, magical blasts, sword, other weapons in the middle of the, his opponent's chest, which would work against anyone really well, but not someone wearing Beskar armor who's most heavily armored at center mass. Sure, that's not going to make the Mandalorian inside the armor feel great, but it's definitely going to give him a ton of protection, not just against the types of attacks that Link can do, but the tactics themselves, which again, typically go for center mass. That's Link's MO. Now, on top of all that, Mandalorian's gonna be shooting different types of attacks. They're gonna be hitting Link from different angles. The, the Those little rockets in his wrist, the whistle birds, whatever he calls them, they'll hit you from every angle. And unless you have your force filled up with your shield, it's not gonna protect you 100% of the time. Now, just like Link has a lot of experience fighting magical beings and what have you, the Mandalorian has a ton of experience fighting different types of beings all over the Star Wars universe. And now he's got a lot of experience with the Jedi, pretty magical beings in their own right, despite the midichlorians and all that kind of nonsense. Now, speaking of the Star Wars universe, the Mandalorian has done insane feats and he's gotten some big wins. Look, he flew up, held onto, and then blew up a TIE fighter in midair. He killed that massive Godzilla-sized crate dragon by allowing himself to be swallowed, dropping a bomb, then detonating it once he got out of its mouth. This is someone who knows how to get up and close and personal or shoot you at far range. He's beaten and killed some of the most powerful beings in the Star Wars galaxy. He's taken on every type of droid, bounty hunter, and at this point is also very familiar with all the Jedi and their magic, especially since he's been hanging out with Grogu, that little Yoda-type creature the whole time. And he's done all of this and had these wins because he outlasts his opponents and kind of has to be more deceptive and it has to be harder to kill. That's what he's great at doing. So here's how I see this fight going. All of a sudden, these two match up. 
Mandalorian starts shooting first because that's what he does. Link starts shooting rapid fire. The Mandalorian's like, what in the heck is this? He starts getting overloaded. Link starts pouring on the magic and everything. Mandalorian's doing really well, keeping cover and all that. But all of a sudden, Link gets the better of him. He's on top. And just as Link pulls out his sword and he's about to bring it down to the Mandalorian, he stops. The sword stays in midair. He can't bring it down. And all of a sudden, the Mandalorian, sorry, Link, starts floating in air. Why? Because thanks to Grogu, the Mandalorian's best accoutrement, the best weapon, something that he carries with him all the time, <laughs> is there using the force, keeping him there, and just making him stay still. The Mandalorian seizing the opportunity, just like he did with that big, huge rhinoceros, fiery rhinoceros thing, picks up the Darksaber, and absolutely stabby McStabbersons, it's a real thing, Link, and then blows him up, then shoots him, hits him with a vibro blade, and kills him mercilessly many, many times. Cuts him in a ton of pieces because, you know, it's Link and it's kind of a crazy being. In the end, it's the Mandalorian's viciousness, his willingness to kill, his ability to take damage, and the fact that Grogu's right there and will not allow the Mandalorian to go down without a really good fight, is ready to jump in. All that together is why the Mandalorian beats Link. That's my point number three. Well, that's how I know James is staring square in the face of a hard defeat is because he's trying to use outside interference <laughs> in a who-would-win battle. Look, I appreciate that the two of them are friends, but in the Scooby-Doo battle, there wasn't no Shaggy, okay? Uh, Link has the ability to summon his friends to the battlefield to help him. You know why I didn't bring it up? Because that is outside interference, James. Shame on you. Of course, uh, Baby Yoda as everyone in the world knows him, will not be a part of this battle. But, you know, even if he was, I don't know, because we do remember, as I said before, Link did dodge a possession attempt, which means he could potentially dodge a force attack. Now, let's let's talk about what's actually going to happen. So we need to strike Grogu off the table right now. I assume Marshall will do the right thing there because, come on, there are two things Ray, I want to talk about. Before you go any further, yes. before you go any further, I will say this. In every picture you see of the Mandalorian carrying oh, a dark it. saber, a blaster, whatever, there is a satchel containing Grogu. <laughs> that is something that he has stop on it. him more often than most of the weapons that Link has on him at all times. Please stop continue. It. Stop it right there, please. You know, I have my 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 baby child at home was wearing baby Yoda pajamas. You know who wasn't on them? The Mandalorian, because it's a separate character now my entire point is let's talk about first off the beskar armor which is powerful link goes for center mass we saw what happened to the mandalorian when he got hit center mass a whole bunch of times he had to tap out of the battle we've established that second do you remember what happened when uh jango fett fought mace windu when he had his lightsaber you know there's there's cracks and areas that you could hit between the armor pieces mace windu decapitated jango fett in battle because he found one of those cracks just like link can do with the master sword and i think we talk about refs i think a good ref in the star wars universe for link is ahsoka tano Ahsoka Tano, very, very powerful character, uses very, very powerful sword, has magic. Well, she fought the Mandalorian on the show and strung him up with his own ropes. She defeated him, and if it wasn't for Mando uh, finding a common enemy quickly and ending the battle, she was going to end him. Point worth mentioning, she didn't use the force in that battle whatsoever. At the end of the day, sorry, James, Link has got this 10 ways to Sunday, and you're just going to have to accept it. I accept nothing. All right, Marshall, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me, especially my brilliant one about Grogu kind of being an accessory, which is kind of weird, but a true fact. It's now time for you to come up with a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Link and the Mandalorian. 
Okay. All right. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. First, first, first round, just based strictly on weaponry, it actually is pretty even. I said it was like Link a little bit, but it's actually pretty even if you think about it because Mando's got a lot. Those whistling birds. Woo. But then round two, like, I mean, James, you even said it. Like, Mando can take a lot of punch. Like, he takes a lot of damage, like, underneath. I mean, we have seen Mando almost die and remove the mask you know he went against the code so and i did it like i still don't know like i know link can be killed but i haven't heard of how yet because he's got so many damn weapons uh and protections magic and stuff uh so it really came back down to this like last round and i gotta admit grogu is a compelling compelling argument he i i'm you know what i am going to allow grogu as an accessory what he looks like a purse Mando carries exactly. him around in one hand like a weapon, like he's holstered. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow Grogu because if Mando is there, Grogu is there. However, I don't think he's enough to overpower an overpowered Link. Link has too much. The the Majora's Mask and the Ocarina and the Macarena, it's too much. It's too much, so I gotta give it to Link this time. I gotta give it to Link. Oh, oh, this one hurts. This one hurts. Actually, it doesn't hurt. This is Link is an insanely powerful character. Oh, this was an uphill battle. It's I too felt much. I did I'm sorry, my best. James. I, I, I brought my A game. I tried everything, but Link is just like insanely OP. Race to Canis. Congratulations, man! You broke the losing streak. You've got to win. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, how you feel. Well, he had me in the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> I First off, I am terrified at the notion of Marshall Gibbons allowing Grogu into the battle to begin with for future <laughs> judges listening right now. If you judge this show and you heard what Marshall Gibbons just said, knock it off. Get that thought out of your head. Other characters are not allowed in the battle. It is literally the main rule of the who would win show. I'm going to tell you right now, I would have launched a formal protest had Marshall Givens tried to give it to the Mandalorian based on the fact that his friend Grogu would help him. That is outrageous. I'm just grateful it won't come to that because Marshall Givens made the right decision because, of course, Lake wins. He's too much. Ocarina of Time, et cetera, et cetera. I'm that great. You can't give me a video game character against a puny Star Wars B-level puke like the Mandalorian and not expect me to come out on top, even if somehow you let his little green frog buddy on board for the ride. I deserve this. I deserve this. Would Link be a bad time? (laughs) Right. Well, Ray, yeah, exactly. Ray, is this a bad time to tell you that um, we're about to be sponsored by Disney Plus on their new Star Wars Podcasts, no. With the amount of money I pay for Disney Plus since its inception 122 years ago, I think we've got it coming. What I'm trying to say is I could really go for some free Disney Plus. Mm. <laughs> couldn't. Who couldn't? Uh, taste great, by the way. All right, this was uh, this was a fun battle. I gotta tell you, I had so much fun with this. Mandalorian's a great character. Link is um, is, is amazing with everything that Link can do. Time travel. God mode. This is an awesome character. All right. Ray, congratulations. Marshall, you were fantastic. As always, please, please, please come back onto the show. In the meantime, tell our audience, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you online. 
Hey, thank you for having me again as a judge because this was fun. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Happy Givens on all your socials. And uh, yeah, that's it. Very cool. All right, Ray Cicadas, again, congratulations. You've got your win after couple episodes where that was very very close good job with link uh you know you brought the right version to the fight tell the legion of audience where they can find you online first off let me just say right now that our esteemed panel who sometimes weighs in in the middle of the battles unbeknownst to our audience has said the action figure argument should hold with 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 baby yoda if baby yoda comes in the action figure then he absolutely uh should be counted in the battle and I looked it up just now as Marshall was talking. The Mandalorian action figure does not come with a baby Yoda. It does not come with a Grogu. <laughs> Ergo should not be allowed in the battle. In fact, I'm stricketing it from the record myself. He was not involved in the battle and Link wins anyway. Shame on you, Marshall Givens. Oh. <laughs> still, still a big won. fan. You're still, still a big fan. <laughs> Wow. I deserve to win every battle regardless. Look, you can <laughs> find me online at Almighty Ray on Twitter while that's still a thing. And I just want you all to celebrate right now. Of course, we're doing Victory Friday. Of course, we had to stop the bleeding of the insane last five weeks where I went one and four, Ooh. despite clearly winning all five battles because the judge made up some nonsense reason in their decision to give James the victory, stuff that didn't even make sense or broke the rules. Boy, Marshall Givens, am I glad you didn't try that nonsense today because I would have been furious. Yeah, that would have been bad. At Almighty Ray on Twitter, let's have a victory Friday like none other. Link, you got redeemed. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to visit one of these Victory Fridays. I just, I just don't, you know, is there catering? Is You're it like welcome. one bowl of Doritos <laughs> in the middle of a table with everyone looking sad or like what's going on? All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode episode of who would win we'll see you next time hey gang i hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash who would win show right now Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.